1: To DJ Simulation needs to sup. You're here with Janice Palaganis and Dan Raymer. What's up, Dan? What's
0: up, Janice? I understand you're at a conference.
1: Yes, so if my audio is really bad, it's because I'm trying to be in the most quiet place possible, but you just never know.
0: Yeah, well, I can hear you loud and clear. The conference is not about technology, however, it's something about her professional education sponsored by the Institute for Health Professions.
1: No, that's correct. And it's, it's called Leading Across Professions, Rethinking Leadership for Learning and Care.
0: A lot of words, Uh, how's the content?
1: Yeah, it's great, it's great. And so just kind of like tying on what we talked about, I think they're achieving some sticky learning here. It's great. The driving question of this conference is if you could create the optimal interprofessional clinical learning and practice environment of the future, what would it look like? And what I really like about it, they've really found a way to kind of thread that question throughout every presentation. And so Jenny and I closed the conference yesterday, talked about how we would answer that question, which is something that, as you know, I'm really passionate about. I think what we've come to realize at CMS is to create the most innovative learning experiences, you actually have to practice what you're teaching. And often you'll uncover the complexities of the exact thing that you're teaching, whether it's a tool or whether it's a concept, you start to understand it at a deeper level and realize that it's not easy. And the more you can understand what those complexities are, the more it'll guide you to not only be a better educator, but also to create new learning experiences that deepen the understanding and the applicability of what you're teaching. So that was kind of cool.
0: So are you suggesting that trial and error is the method of choice here?
1: I think the hardest thing is being reflective in moments in your daily practice to notice that there are practice opportunities. That's a hard thing to do, and and once you realize that there are practice opportunities all around you, to actually then practice and, re- and, you know, continue to reflect as you practice around the complexities of it. And so the title of our talk was, you know, Walking Our Talk, Finding and Embracing the Hypocrisy.
0: <laughs>
1: and I think that's like, you know, it's that's completely what we when you do practice, you start realizing the hypocrisy in what you do and what you teach and when you can understand that and kind of close that gap you can create curricula to teach others.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it seems uh from the outside almost like an intractable problem and I'm sure it would only take about 5 seconds of self-reflection for me to discover how hypocritical I am in action as opposed to the erudite statements that i make i think it's so interesting that the premise of the conference and your talk is so interesting i have such a long history of being wrong about the future that it always fascinates me that people even have the courage to try to attack that question i'm a little bit interested in the process so you and jenny sat down with the obligation i guess to come up with a kick-ass closing for this conference and come up with a talk that would be stimulating and intriguing. I know you're both a couple of radicals, so tell me a little more about how you came up with this quite spicy topic of uh, your own uh, hypocrisy.
1: We sat down with the question, and I thought a lot about what we're developing with the virtual campus. And one of the things that we decided to focus on was, um, you know, we did a needs assessment like we all do as educators and tried to figure out, okay, what will our audience need in terms of what would they want? What problems can we solve for them? And one of the topics that came up during our assessment that we realized we should really focus on is developing modules and activities around feedback. And as I've been working with Kate Morse to develop some of these modules for feedback for interprofessional educators, we had realized that we had to practice a lot of what we were designing. And so we started practicing this tool and going around and trying to give feedback and just kind of stumbling in before even using the tool. And then coming to reflect on what those things were. It was the emotions that make you awkward in the conversation, the emotions that kind of shut you down before you even get to that tool. And we realized, oh my gosh, there's so much more to having a tool in your pocket to use that you need to visit and set a solid foundation to be able to give effective feedback. And hence we came up with more curricula around what we call the pre-think chart, which is really getting to know you, how you're feeling about it, what your goals are for the conversation, being able to reset yourself for a conversation.
0: So you kind of discovered some of your own limitations and uh, the hypocrisy of promoting a method when you weren't able to even do it yourselves because you didn't fully understand how hard it was to uh, use the tool.
1: Yeah. And in terms of the hypocrisy, I think it's something that we've been discussing at CMS as we develop ourselves as educators and we continue to do it you know, at least on an annual basis where we record our own debriefings and then you or other faculty would review mine, for example. And when we would watch each other giving feedback on two debriefers on their debriefing and doing the exact same thing we are giving feedback on. So, for example, there's a really great example video of uh, me giving feedback to a debriefer around the fact that they didn't allow other people to talk and they were doing a lot of the talking. And here I'm watching myself doing all the talking (laughs) as I'm getting this feedback. (laughs) And we fall into this paradoxical trap. And it's just so hypocritical. And to just know that this can happen to you and as you're doing what you're doing, you know, asking yourself, am I doing what i think is not good that i'm trying to give feedback on just makes you a better feedback giver
0: it's funny i i hate when that happens when i when i see myself doing exactly what i'm telling other people not to do but on the other hand i sort of love it too because it reminds me of how difficult having effective conversations is it's not just the words coming out of your mouth it's your you know your core beliefs and your your stance and um your emotions and all the things that are really hard to control a lot harder to control than the flapping of your jaws to make sound
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it was really fun talking about something that we're really passionate about and being able to close the day. And it's just been great. And then today has just been really wonderful. Really what Jenny and I were talking about was being a deliberately developmental organization. And funny enough, Bob Keegan was the keynote today that ran a workshop on closing. And so Bob Keegan is, um, in my mind, kind of the father of deliberate, deliberately developmental organizations. We've done a lot of mapping today with him on what he calls, I love this term, immunity to change and discovering what your immune system is to change and how to reframe so that you can change to achieve the intense that you have.
0: I love that. I love the way that way of looking at it. Because, you know, when you think about your own immune system, and how, you know, automatic it is, and, you know, way, way below your consciousness, how powerful it is fighting off all of the bad things in the, in the world that we face. And, you know, Changing that is really, really, really hard. I thought you said that you and Jenny closed the conference. You you closed the day or no, something. No,
1: the day, right? yeah. We closed yesterday and it's a two-day conference. This morning, actually, I I wanted to run this by you, Dan, because I'm really interested in what your your results would be. Donna Crowbot Mason was the opening keynote today, and she's from the Center for Organizational Leadership. What she did, which I thought was great, she does a lot of work on boundary spanning, and she identified different types of boundaries, which was interesting. And and she asked us to pick the boundary type that we felt we had to strengthen and the boundary type that we felt. That we had a weakness in. And so I'm actually interested to hear what your strength and your weakness is by your own self-assessment. So I would like to outline what these boundaries are. And then I'm interested in your um,
0: answers. Uh, I'm a little scared because <laughs> I have very tight boundaries. But <laughs> well, the
1: reason I'm interested is because you you're like the most open person I know, Dan Raymer, So this is interesting. I mean, I would see you as a strength in all of these boundaries, but I was surprised with what my strength and weakness was. I would not have predicted that without having to, to do this activity. So let me explain what the five boundaries are. The first is vertical boundaries. So those are groups according to title, rank, power and privilege. The second is horizontal boundaries, and those are cross functions and expertise. Third are stakeholder boundaries, and so those are across external groups and interests. The fourth is demographic boundaries, which are across diverse groups and differences, so this could be gender, race, personality. And the last are it, are uh, is geographic boundaries, which is um across locations and distance as well as technology. Uh
0: I think my strength is um across uh I think it was horizontal boundaries. Uh-huh. Because I I, I don't um you know I I pretty much stick my nose into Other groups' business. I'm not afraid to talk to medical people in vastly different specialties that I know nothing about. Uh, So those kind of groupings don't don't really bother me very much. Is that horizontal? That is horizontal. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, why do you think that is? Why do you think this is a strength?
0: I think because I've always been an outsider so in my in my career development i've always kind of chosen to be on the edge of whatever field i've been in you know as a bioengineer you know i was kind of had a foot in engineering and i kind of had a foot in the health sciences and i really wasn't either (laughs) and so you know, it's, I've always been sort of on the edge. I've always been in a clinical department, even though I'm not a physician. I pretty much went to medical school, and, but I didn't really get a degree. So I, you know, a, a degree in medicine, I got a degree in bioengineering. So, you know, I've always felt like I'm a little bit... Um, on the outside of whatever group I've... When I've been a, in a clinical department, I'm the odd duck. I'm not ever... There aren't other people like me. That um, is so I
1: interesting. Guess. I see it as interesting because I would see that the people that would have a strength in horizontal are social butterflies that belong to like every group. Saying that you be- you were on the outside, it's almost like you were forced to find ways to belong in every group.
0: Uh, I'm the guy who belongs to no group.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See, this is so interesting. So I found this activity really interesting because I ended up in the vertical group. I I self-assessed, of course, and we know how flawed self-assessment is, but I felt like in terms of boundary spanning that that was easiest for me. You know, she asked the question, why do you think you're in that group to everyone? And I had a little self-reflective moment. And I, I had this image of when I was seven years old and my grandmother put her hand on my leg and she was like, Janice, you're not gonna grow up to be tall you're not white and you're a girl you're gonna have to work really hard to be successful i i had realized in that moment since i was seven i had been working at this like i knew about vertical boundaries and have been working at it and feel like i've worked at it enough to blur the lines
0: so now you're able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. No,
1: I just, so I did reflect deeply on this. I was thinking how awesome an experience I've had with CMS being with senior (laughs) colleagues like you, Dan.
0: Oh, here it comes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: With you and Jeff and Robert and, you know, you're half retired. Jeff is retired. Really practicing with all of you and watching you practice and And that just made me realize that we're all just human, no matter where we are on the vertical spectrum. Like we are all just human and we all have to practice the same things and we are all flawed in some way. And that really helped me as well.
0: So it's so interesting that um, there's no boundary category, you know, called the nursing home boundary. (laughs)
1: And, I yeah, believe that's demographics. That. that's demographics. That's <laughs> ah, demographics.
0: And... <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I think I'd vote. I think I'd vote for you on that <laughs> one because you like hanging out with these old geezers. Uh, oh, <laughs> the <God>. Admirable, <gasps> join us I applaud that.
1: <laughs> oh, I love you uh, guys. Okay, so what, Dan Raymer, is your weakness?
0: I, I have, you know, weaknesses in every category. (laughs) I, I, I think maybe the last one, the, the geographic one.
1: Oh, Uh, because you have isolated yourself in Palm Springs.
0: Well, not that as much, You, you know, with that, we've, we've gone on teaching, uh, trips to faraway places together. And you know what an accidental tourist I am, (laughs) uh, that I really am a homebody and I'm very uncomfortable being anywhere else. And, you know, where there's another language that I don't understand, that's really makes me uncomfortable.
1: There should be a boundary. There should be a boundary on food because every time we go somewhere different you are looking for the burger or pizza place
0: <laughs> right if i can't have a burger and and a diet coke i'm just like i just beside myself i can't i can't function
1: that's oh, so interesting
0: i'm very uh routinized i'm very i'm i'm really very home centered and i'm You know, I I don't change locations well. So you mentioned Palm Springs. I'm I'm sitting here uh, talking to you in Palm Springs with my suitcases packed because I have to move back to the East Coast Mm -hmm. to my very own home. And I'm so anxious about it. The the thought of re-entering my other house (laughs) is just... (laughs) me awake at night. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's, what's your weakness?
1: Also, I, you know, I was pretty shocked about what my weakness was. And, and actually, I was like you, I was, I, I kind of joked with one of my colleagues, and I stood in the middle of the room, and I was like, this is where I belong, because <laughs> I think I'm weak at all of this. Um, but I ended up, I couldn't choose. And I, Ended up going to demographics, which is like the exact same, you know, it's like the exact opposite. You would think that would be... A, a strength given my, uh, you know, I'm not tall, I'm female, and I'm not white, like, <laughs> as my grandmother would quote. So I, I was shocked to be in demographics. And, and where why I ended up there was, I think it's the nature of, of my job being, um, you know, the director of educational innovation and development and and I feel like I'm supposed to be a boundary spanner and pusher. And at CMS, I've really tried to push the boundaries on the geography and the technology and being able to do a lot more online and appreciate and completely respect the generational differences, changing a culture of face-to-face, high-touch environment to trying to achieve high-touch Environments through technology, and so that's been difficult for me. And so I ended up putting myself in that category.
0: Well, this has yeah. been this has been a very depressing <laughs> conversation, even though it's really fun. Well, don't stay so, awake um, at night thinking w-
1: about a nursing home. You are going back to your home in Boston, which is far from a nursing home. Is that helpful?
0: Yes, I guess that's helpful until I get there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Janice. Well, it's great to hear you uh, inspired by uh, attending this conference. And uh, um, I found it really interesting to hear what was going on there.
1: Awesome. All right, Dan, get packing. Don't stop packing. I need you back here in Boston.
0: All right. Take care. Bye. DJ Simulation Easter's
1: up is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedicine.org. Thanks so much for listening,
0: and we'll see you next time.